All righty. Sounds like we're ready to go. Dave's ready in the back. And we're going to change the topic just a little this morning. We're, 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 uh, we've been dealing with the inward man that came out of heaven. We're going to go back and look at, at some scripture in Matthew 24. I did 12 or 13, I forget now, teachings, more or less. On Matthew 24, I've got them on in uh, audio files. We've got them in CDs, and and if you want to hear them, I haven't listened to them in a long time. I probably, you know, even though that's not been that long ago, I probably have seen a little bit more than I did when I was doing those teachings. But we're going to look in particular in verse 34 and 35. And the main emphasis will be on verse 35. And I'm doing this to challenge you a little bit to get in the Word. This is is, um, not an obvious thing. But in Matthew 24, verse 34, it says, Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. And I want your heart to underline, my words shall not pass away. Heaven and earth shall pass, but my words shall not pass away. Now, for many years as a child, I was taught, what I was, as much as I was taught, that this meant someday the physical world was going to pass away and a new world was going to come on the scene. A new heaven, a new earth. As I get into this, Jesus said, in the, in, as recorded in the book of Revelation, He said, Behold, I make all things new. You ever read that? How much is all things? So maybe, just the thought, maybe His work at the cross made all things new. How did He make all things new? See, in another place it says that you're a new creation created of God in Christ Jesus. So new creation. Now the first creation was physical. And that's what we have such a hard time with because we've got physicalness, right? We have bodies. We have physical faculties. So we think like physical. We do. I mean, all of us do. Until the Spirit of the Lord begins to do anything in our heart and it's really until we allow the Spirit of the Lord because the Lord is a gentleman. So if we allow the Lord, we have to allow, we have to have, that's what we, we talk about being open-hearted, we have to allow the Lord. And we have to seek the Lord. So if we allow and seek the Lord, He can begin to show us His Word, show us what He's saying. Amen. See, see, the challenge is people, people think the Bible is just a book that everybody can pick up and read and know what it means. And the truth is, that's not the truth. That, you know, in fact, in a couple different places in 1 Corinthians, it says the spirit of man knows what? Not the things of God. They, they are spiritually discerned. So if you're not born again, see, Jesus said in John 3 that, that unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. So how can I see? So even if I thought the kingdom of God was going to come physically, like some people say, unless I'm born again, I can't see it. Okay? Unless I'm born of water and spirit, I can't enter it. Right. That's what, what Jesus said. So, so we have the capacity to see comes through the Spirit of God. So if the Spirit of God's not present, the light to see is not there. Right. It's that simple. So, so now we go back to this heaven and earth shall pass away and 
I've shared this with you. The Lord spoke this in me for probably two years. I walked through my house and be like a trumpet. Heaven is my throne. Isaiah 66, 1. Thus saith the Lord, the King James says. The American Center says, Thus saith Jehovah. Jehovah is the predominant name used there for Lord in the Old Testament. Thus saith Jehovah. Heaven is my throne. The earth is my footstool. So, when I look at heaven and earth passing away, just a thought, he could have been speaking of his throne. Because he said, because his word interprets his word. Because he said, he said, God said, I didn't say it, God said it. Through Isaiah, if you believe this is the Word of God, He said, Heaven is my throne. The earth is my footstool. So what is a throne? And then He says, What manner of house will you build me, and where's the place of my rest? For all this I made, and all these things came to be, saith the Lord. But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit, and that trembles at my word. So He's looking to a man... And and I and I not to go down a different way. I'll just give you a a, a, a tip here. I, this man's probably probably looking toward the Lord Jesus Christ when he comes in the form of a man to build him a place of rest. Yes, yes. Because Jesus said the foxes have holes, the birds have nests, but he said the Son of Man had no place to lay his head, so he wanted a place to rest. Because laying your head means rest, right? When you lay your head down on your pillow, what are you doing? You're resting. So God said, where am I going to rest? <laughs> he said, he, he, so, so, and, uh, and so, let's, I'm trying to stay in context. I want to preach, and I'm trying to go through this in context. In Exodus 6, verse 6, God's dealing with Moses, and we've all heard of Moses. So the Lord is dealing with the prophet Moses, a great man of God. And he says in verse 6, Wherefore say unto the children of Israel, I am Jehovah, I am the Lord. And I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will rid you out of the bondage, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. And I will take you to me for a people, and I will be to you a God, and you shall know that I am Jehovah, your God, who bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you, listen to this real close, and I will bring you in unto the land which I swear to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And I will give it to you for a heritage or for an inheritance, I am Jehovah. So here comes in view a land. Now is the earth a land? Okay. So he's saying, again, think, think this, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not. So here's a land that God promised the children of Israel to give them for an inheritance. And this is a natural land. And if you go read Genesis 12, in Genesis 12, God's dealing with Abram, who becomes Abraham. And he tells him here at Genesis 12, 1, he says, Get out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto the land that I'll show thee. So land's real important in the Old Testament. Mighty important. If you go study your Old Testament, there was a land that God had purchased for the children of Israel. And He says, I will make of thee a great nation, I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and be thou blessed, and I will bless them that bless thee, and him that curseth thee will I curse, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abram went, as Jehovah had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy-five years old. When you departed out of Haran, how old are you, Brother Stanley? 
So he, so Abram was close to Brother Stanley's age physically, and Abram took Sarah's wife and Lot his brother's son and all their substance they gathered and the souls that they had gotten in Haran, and they went forth to go in the land of Canaan. Now this is silly what I'm going to say, but I'm going to say it. I've always thought, why didn't Abram just stay in the land? Why didn't the children of Israel just stay in Canaan? They were there. You ever, you ever read that? And know that? Why didn't you stay there? They, they were already in the promised land. But anyway, get back, getting off my trying to be funny. I can't be funny. See, you, you laugh at me when I try to be funny, but you don't laugh at my joke. So, and they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, into, into the land of Canaan. And they came, and Abram passed through the land, and to Setchum and the Okamora, and the Canaanite was in the land. And this is the whole importance of Canaan right here. And Jehovah appeared unto Abram. So what Canaan represents, the land chosen for Israel to inherit it, a land flowing, what's it called? A land flowing with what? Milk and honey, right? So what, what's the big deal about Canaan? The Lord appeared there. That's a big deal. So that's the place the Lord appeared. If you go read your Bible in Genesis, you'll find out he appeared to Abram, to Isaac, and Jacob. So when he comes to Moses and he says, hey, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he had appeared to them in Canaan land. And he comes to Moses and he said, I'm going to take you to the land that I promised Abraham to give you for an inheritance. And I'm going to be a God to, your, to, to you and you're going to be my people. Yes. That's mighty powerful. See, see, this, see, see what they were coming into. If you'll read history, if you'll read your Bible, and you have to read your Bible and look at it, Israel was coming into the presence of the Lord. Sure was. See, because the Lord, the Lord wasn't ten thousand miles away from Israel. In fact, the Bible says. And the Bible says, I'll note this, the Bible says he was a cloud by night, so he came to Israel as a, or a cloud by day, and a fire by night. And somewhere down the road, people started believing God was 10,000 miles away. Wow. So a lot of people began to believe, right? But, but he came to Israel as a cloud and a fire, as a cloud and a fire, a pillar of a cloud and a fire, and led them out of Egypt. They didn't just come out of Egypt because Moses was there. The Lord led them out to bring them to Himself. And I see this as, uh, in, in, when I talk about types, I see this so vividly as the Lord Jesus coming down. You know, He, said, he says in one place there, and Exodus said, I come down to bring them up, yeah. out and up. <laughs> I forget where it's at, but it's there, I think, in Exodus. I come down to bring them out and up to the land of Canaan. So it is. So, so he had to come down, and Jesus had to come down. He being in the form of God, the Bible says, thought it not robbery to be made equal to God, but made himself of no reputation and took on him the form of servant. So he came down. That was down. He became a servant. The form of a servant made in likeness of men to suffer the death of the cross, to bring you out. And see, 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 I don't care what group you're in, a lot of people talk about getting out. The grace movement today is talking a lot about getting out. But where'd you get into? See, see, God didn't, has never just brought you out. He's brought you out to bring you in. And do you see that? You, you, you can rejoice in being brought out, but you gotta see what you're brought into. So, so their inheritance was a physical land. And in that physical land, God dwelled there. So, so you read the story of David. I can't read all of them, so some things I'm going to have skipped this morning, or we'd be here for three or four hours. I wouldn't mind to, but you probably would. So, God, through David, David got it in his heart. Hey, I, I, I live in a house. What are you doing living in a tent, God? So you can't go read your Bible, God's dwelling in tent, according to David. Not 10,000 miles away, but dwelling in tent. 
See, see, Jacob, when he had Jacob's dream, I said this recently to a young man. I said when Jacob awoke from his dream in, in the book of Genesis, he wakes up and he says, the Lord is here. And I didn't know it. He's right here. Jehovah's right here. I didn't know it. This is none other than the house of God and the gate to heaven. I didn't know it. And see, I feel like that with, you know, the church. The Lord's here. He's here right now. But a lot of times we don't know that. We don't realize that. We don't comprehend that. But here... He was bringing them, and so David, so through David they build a house and so forth, and God dwells in their midst. But in Exodus, what I want to, a couple of places in Exodus 25, is they built, you know, building the tabernacle, not building it yet, but building it, and in the instruction, God says to Moses, and you shall put, Exodus 25, 16, and you shall put into the ark of the testimony that that I give you. You shall make a mercy seat of pure gold. Two cubits and a half shall be its length, and a cubit and a half shall be its breadth. And you shall make two cherubim of gold, of hammered work. Shall you make them on the ends of the mercy seat? Make one cherub on one end and one cherub on the other end. Of one piece with the mercy seat shall you make the cherubim on its two ends, beaten of one piece of gold. The cherubim shall spread out their wings above, overshadowing the mercy seat of their wings, and their faces one to another. Toward the mercy seat shall the faces of the cherubim be. And you shall put the mercy seat on top of the ark, and in the ark you shall put the testimony that I give you. That's the Ten Commandments on stone. They're put in the ark. And he said, there, what's he going to do there? There I will meet with you. And from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim. So where's God sitting at? If you can hear it. Between the cherubim. Heaven is my throne. The mercy seat. A seat. What's a throne? A seat. What kind of seat is a throne? Government. So what he was governing them on was the law. So inside of that ark were the tables of stone. Not only were the tables of stone there, he had, he had told Moses, I have it here if I can find it. He had, he had, when he had told Moses uh, there, dealt with Moses, Moses wrote the Word of God. You know, he wrote the law in a book of the law. Do you realize? Have you ever read that? In Exodus 24. And, I, and I've got this in electronic format, and I can print it out for you if you want these notes to go through them one by one. Be happy to share them with you. I hope you would. But in Exodus 24, Moses, verse 2 says, And Moses alone shall come near, come near unto Jehovah, but they shall not come near, neither shall the people go up with him. And Moses came and told the people all the words of Jehovah. Jehovah. And all the ordinances and all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words which Jehovah had spoken we will do. And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord, or of Jehovah. He rose up early in the morning and built an altar under the mountain, twelve pillars, according to the twelve tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of the children of Israel who offered burnt offerings, sacrificed peace offerings, and oxen to Jehovah. And Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins. And half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar. And he took the book of the covenant and read it in the audience of the people. And they said, All. That Jehovah spoke them, well, we do and be obedient. Boy, they were in trouble when they said that. <laughs> oh, we're going to do it all. Everything he says. And Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people. See, because it's a blood covenant. So he took the blood of animals, sprinkled it on the people, and now they were under that covenant of, of the blood of animals unto the Lord. And he and said, Behold the blood of the covenant which Jehovah has made with you concerning all these words. Notice that. These words. So all the words of the law, the Lord made a covenant with Israel according to all the words of the law and according to the blood of animals. Are you still under a covenant today of the blood of animals? 
No. So see, see, God was enthroned between the cherubim and inside of that throne, that government, a throne is a government like a constitution is in the United States. We've got a constitution in the United States, right? How many agree? We have laws. What happens to you, Darlene, when you say, oh, forget, I'm going to run this stop sign in that car with those little blue lights that are sitting over there, and they see Miss Darlene just hit the gas, or, or probably Kathy would, you know, it's got to be Kathy, not Darlene. Darlene would never do it. So Kathy just hit the gas back there, and she just goes through there, right? And so that little thing goes, woo, 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 woo. And, and Kathy goes off to the side, and the guy has a ticket and enforces the law. So this word was God's law. Period. That was his dominion, his throne, his influence of government. He, he, that temple represented his house, and the word, the word of the book of the law was, was not inside of the ark, but it was attached to the side of it. According to your Bible, it says that in one place. I don't have that right in front of me. But it says specifically in in Isaiah and in Psalms, and I'll just read this verse to you in Isaiah 37, and you, you don't have to turn there because we're going to move on real quick. But it says, And Hezekiah prayed unto the Lord, or unto Jehovah, saying, O Jehovah of hosts, the God of Israel, that sitteth above the cherubim. And one place says, Enthroned between the cherubim. So he was enthroned with government with that house and that earth. Heaven's my throne. So here comes Jesus on the scene. Now we have a new government coming. Because we got Jesus coming on the scene. And I'm looking for Matthew 5, 17 18. So Jesus comes on the scene and says, Think not that I'm come to destroy the law and the prophets. I'm not come to destroy it, but to fulfill it. I'm its fulfillment. I'm what? All these laws, all this spoke of, all this blood, all this temple, all this priesthood, everything there speaks to me. That's what he calls it. Search the Scripture. In them you, you think you have life, Mr. Pharisee. You think you got life, but guess what? These testify of me. And you won't come to me? That you might have life. That you might have life. So, so I'm, I'm your ticket to life. See, we, we, pre, we preach the ticket to heaven. He said, I'm the ticket to life. Right. That you might have life. So, so here, verily I say to you, until heaven and earth pass, not one job. Or tittle shall pass from the law to all be fulfilled. I've come to fulfill it. Until it pass, not one jot or tittle shall pass away. So let me tell you something. If if a heaven and earth didn't pass away, you're under the law. Right. This is real important to understand, Matthew 5. He said not one jot. How many believe Jesus was speaking the word of God? He said, Not one jot or tittle is going to pass away to all. Verily I say to you, until heaven and earth pass, not one jot or tittle shall pass from the law to all be fulfilled. So we have to understand what heaven and earth passed away, or else we're under the law. So what passed away, and even people will tell you that old Jewish temple, if you, I think you can probably go Google it. Some of the rabbis and so forth of Israel believed. That old Jewish temple was heaven and earth. Oh, yeah. So go Google. Don't take you, you know. I, I'm trying to show you out of the scripture, by the scripture, through the scripture. But the Jews believed that represented heaven and earth. So till it passed away, not one jot or tittle could pass away. So 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 that. It's what passed, because God does not govern you out of the law. No, sir. 
If He governed us out of the law, we're all in trouble. See, see, we weren't under the law to start with. Well, the law was for every man. Don't get me wrong. It was for the Jews, but it was applied to every man. But here we go. We Christians, especially some of us, got mixed up with trying to keep the law for some reason. It was preached to us. We, we knew we got saved. We had to live right. Well, I don't know how to live right, Lord. I know I need to live right, but I can't. I don't know how. I can try. But every time I try, it seems like I mess up. And however degree of messing up it is, because there's different degrees of mess up, it's still messed up, right? So what? how, how do I get there? Right? Because we know there's a standard. I'm standards, I'm the way. I'm the truth. And I'm the life. Well so so let me get back to the the, the, the heaven and earth passing and then we'll we'll move on. So heaven and earth passes, but it doesn't just pass away. Another one's coming. Remember, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. So that earth represented Israel, that old Israel. Yes, sir. The old Jerusalem. Right? The, the, I don't know if that was clear to you. He gave them a land. Yes. Okay? He gave that land for an inheritance. Okay? Flip with me to Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1 says, In whom, verse 11, which, read the whole book and you'll find me. I'm kidding. I'm going to read it out of the English Standard Version. Ephesians 1, verse 11, this is the English Standard Version. In Him we have obtained an inheritance. Where's the inheritance at now? In Him. In the Old Covenant, the inheritance was, we'll give you the land of Canaan. In the New Covenant, your inheritance is in Christ. We have obtained an inheritance having been predestinated according to the purpose of Him who works all things, who works all things according to the counsel of His will. So here's the inheritance. There's many other scriptures. I'm just putting this out for today. You have to come back to get the rest of the story. Like, uh, like what, what was his name, Paul Harvey? I'll tell you later the rest of the story. So if you want the rest of the story, you need to come back. Amen. 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 So, so here we go. Here's an inheritance, right? And now flip with me to Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12 says, and I'll tell you where we're at in a second, Darlene. 18. Says you have come, you, for you are not come unto the mountain that might be touched. Why do you think you wrote that? Why didn't you just write you come to Mount Zion? Well, this whole book's a book of transition, so it's transition out of one covenant into an old, out of one mountain into another mountain, because because that Mount Sinai was where they made the covenant. That was where we were reading where the where the Moses made all you know sacrificed all those bulls and oxen and sprinkled the people with the blood, and wrote the book of the law, and received the Ten Commandments. He received the instructions for the tabernacle. He received a whole lot more than the Ten Commandments up there if you go read it. Amen. I loved, and I've said this before, I loved that movie with Charleston Heston, the Ten Commandments, but there was a whole lot more there than the Ten Commandments. Because he received the instructions. He, he received how to set up the, the tabernacle. He received how to set up the priesthood. So, 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 so here the writer says, 
is saying you're not come to that mountain that might be touched, so you haven't come to a physical mountain. You can't touch it with your hands that burn with fire, nor under blackness and darkness and tempest. So God, what's the blackness, darkness, and tempest? God came down on a cloud. You've not come to that mountain uh, where it's darkness, blackness, and tempest that in a fire that can be touched, as you put your finger on, and the sound of a trumpet, and the voice of words, which voice they heard entreated the words should not be spoken to them anymore, for they could not endure that which was commanded. And if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with a dart. And so terrible was the sight. Moses said, I exceedingly queer, uh, fear and shame. But you are come to a mountain. You are come to Mount Zion. King James says Zion, but Zion. And the city of the living God. The heavenly Jerusalem. Does this sound like a new heaven and new earth? As you come to a mountain. And the natural mountain's physical, right? So if you come to the heavenly Jerusalem and you come to an innumerable company of angels, you come to a company of angels. Yes, sir, in the presence of And for us to understand that again, we're going to have to keep coming and we're going to have to keep digging and praying together that God gives us the understanding. This is a teamwork, okay? So I need a team to work. All right, so here we go to the General Assembly and Church of the Firstborn. Which are written, we're at, in heaven. Right. And to God, the judge of all. Notice here's, here's the judgment. The judge of all. And to the spirits of just men made perfect. This, this is so powerful to me. Because in the old covenant, the spirits could not be made perfect. No man could be made perfect in the old covenant. Their conscience was never perfect. You remember that? You ever read that? Couldn't be perfect because the sacrifice offered under the Old Covenant could never perfect them. It could never do the job. That's why, that's why Jesus had to come. Because if there had been a commandment that would, could have been given for life, then He wouldn't have had to come. But no commandment could be given that you could have life. So He come to give you life. And sacrifice himself. See, so God judges. If you have a judgment seat, a judgment, you have a throne. Because God sits on a throne. But that's not a chair somewhere in outer space. Okay? So, so God sits on the throne of our heart. He's enthroned the kingdom. Jesus said the kingdom of God is where? Well, Benny knows this. Behold, the kingdom of God cometh not with observation, neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. So if I've got a kingdom, I get a king. Amen. Yes, sir. See, see that's, that's what church doesn't get. Jesus is our king right now. Yes, He is. You know, you know church is waiting for, that, for King Jesus to come, but He's now our King, and He's now, and the more of His government we understand, the more victory we can walk in. See, the reason we ain't walking in victory is we don't understand His government. See, when He raised from the dead, how much power did He say belonged to Him? Part of it? Part of the power belongs to me. No. He said all power in heaven and earth belongs to me. All authority. I have all dominion. It's all mine. And see, there's a mystery in there. Why, why, why is the Son of Man? Because God gave authority to Adam. To the Son of Man. If you go back and read your Bible. So Jesus came as a man and took the authority. Yes. So the devil doesn't have authority over you. We can sit around here and war with the devil all we want, but he does not have the authority over you. Amen. All power, Jesus said, is mine. So if I understood that, do you think I could probably walk in some victory? Probably. 
But he's the king. See, 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 the king has authority. He's not, he's not even a democracy, man. You don't get a vote on it. <laughs> see, this ain't a democracy. This is a kingdom. In a kingdom, in a kingdom, the king has rule. There's not three sets of government. There's a king. So, and, and, and Isaiah prophesied of him, said upon, upon his shoulders, upon his shoulders. You know, we talked about something upon someone's shoulders. There's his strength. You know, you put it up on his shoulders. Shall the government come? I'm not quoting just right, but go read Isaiah 9. And of the increase of his, his kingdom, there ain't going to be no end. It's going to continue to increase. See, see, the earth is the Lord's. See, church got this backwards. He rose from the dead. He said, all power is mine. And the earth is the Lord's. And the fullness thereof. So now we have a victorious king. And we have a judgment. We come to God, the judge of all, the heavenly Jerusalem, the innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of firstborn, which are written in heaven. God, the judge of all, spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. So who's mediating this covenant? It ain't Moses with, with, the, with the blood of bulls. So we don't come unto God with the blood of bulls, and our conscience can't be made pure. We come unto God with the blood of the Lamb. I just want to jump up and down, man. We come to God with the blood of the Lamb. Do you think that blood has the power to sanctify me holy? You may say, brother, I ain't walking in whole sanctification. Well, I may not be walking in it, but it did it nonetheless. It It did it regardless of whether you're walking in it or not. He did that. So He has the power to wholly, completely make us His. And He has the authority. Because not only does Isaiah call Him, Isaiah 9 says, Unto us a child is born, son is given, the government shall be up on His shoulders. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. See, people can debate that all they want. That Bible says there is one God and Father of all, and the Bible says that the name of the Son shall be called the Eternal Father, the Mighty God, and the Prince of Peace. Yes. That's, I, I may not fully comprehend that or understand it, but that's so. And the writer of Hebrews says, Unto the Son, thy throne, O God is forever. So no one's going to unthrone Jesus. No one's going to take Him away from the throne. Thy throne and dominion is forever. So we're His. See, see, see this. What, what's wrong is He purchased us for Himself. And we don't believe that. We believe it to a measure. We believe He forgave me of my sins. But but we read here that our inheritance is in Him. So I have to go back and read what all He inherited. Now, I'm never going to be the head. Don't get me wrong. I'm never going to be the head. But His authority now is going to work in me because He wants it to. Not because I'm anything special. See, see, that's where the church has kind of got, got mixed up. You know, and, 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 and pastors and leaders did this to the church. Because right. Pastor So-and-so is special. See, I'll be truthful, I won't be one of you. You don't, you don't know this. But I want you to like me, love me, get around with me, pick on me, and me like you, love me, pick on you, and be one of you. And if I prophesy to you and it, and it, and it works, bless the Lord in me. I'm not some big, bad, special dude. I'm just like you. Amen, brother. And that's how I want to be. So I don't want you to think I'm this holier-than-thou guy. Amen. I really don't. I, I, I'm, giving you, I'm telling you my heart, but sometimes 
sometimes I, I get around people and, you, you know, or people get to know me and they know I'm a minister and they may treat me different and only want to talk about the Scripture. Talk to me say, hey, Brother Wayne, do you watch the game? I'm your friend. And I want to be. I really do. I want to be with you. But I want to operate in the office God gives me at the same time. So God gives me the office of, of a, a pastor, evangelist, prophet, uh, apostle, whatever office, teacher, whatever office and function of the Lord, I want to function in it. Right. I really do. But my heart still wants to be one of you. Joined to you, loving you, nourishing you, know what you love me. You're important to me. I want to be important to you. And see, that's where it broke down because somewhere down the road, ministry got this big, you know, you know, someone got healed because brother says I pray for him. Yeah, that's the Lord. It should work that way. Brother says so should be able to pray and someone get healed because he put authority in us. He put authority in us. But we've got to believe that and enter into that. We've got to accept that. That He gave us His authority. Yes. And, and so the kingdom message has to get real with us because we've got to realize He's purchased us with His own blood. In the book of Revelation, I didn't read that to be a kingdom of priests. Revelation, i got it down here in uh, chapter 5, I believe. Flip over there, because now in the throne, we've come to Mount Zion, we've come to a new throne, and we're, we're going to wrap up here in a minute. I'm trying not to keep you as long as I usually do. We've got 41 minutes. Give me nine more minutes. Everybody starts smiling at me now, right? Don't do it, Calvin said. Don't say it. Verse 5 says, And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, have prevailed to open the book and loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, here's the throne of God, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood the Lamb. How can he be in the midst of everybody? He's in the middle of the throne. He's... In the middle of the beast, he's in the middle of the elders, and he's a lamb. Bad. I don't think that's the kind of lamb he is, but but you know, let's let's just you know, people want to literalize everything, so there you go, he's a lamb. Soon as the lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes. If I saw a lamb with seven horns and seven eyes, I'd probably run. Right? If I looked out here and I see a lamb out here in the grass walking around and it has seven horns and seven eyes, I'm probably running. So these seven horns and seven eyes probably mean something else that I don't understand naturally. So he has seven horns and seven eyes, which are, he tells you, they are what? The seven spirits of God. So the horn is speaking of the power of the Spirit of God. The seven Horns, seven, the power of the Spirit of God sent forth into all the earth. So He has that that's sent forth into all the earth. And He's in the midst of all the elders. He's in the midst of the, of the beast. He's in the midst of the throne. And He came and took the book of Him that sat on the right hand of Him, set up on the throne. And when He had taken the book, the four beasts and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. So they had... A vial of prayers. Yeah. That's got to be a big vial a lot of people are praying, right? So they had the, there's the vials. And they sung a new song. Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou was slain and has redeemed us to God by thy blood. What are you redeemed to? To God by His blood. Out of every kindred tongue and people and nation. And now what did He make us? And made us under our God, the King James says, kings and priests, and we shall reign on earth. You shall do what? You shall be beat up every day on earth until someday. We shall reign on earth. And, and the American Standard, I, like, I actually like how it reads just a little bit better. 
It, is, it made us them to be unto our God a kingdom and priests. So a kingdom of priests. So we're a royal, Peter says, a royal priesthood, a chosen generation, a holy nation. Peculiar people. And we used to think that's because we put our hair up a certain way. That made us peculiar. We're peculiar unto the Lord. We're treasured to the Lord. We're His treasure. Hallelujah. Waverly, you're the treasure of God, sweetheart. He loves you. You're God's treasure. Glory, glory to the Lamb. So are you, Andrew. You're His treasure. He treasures you, brother. He loves you. He loved you so much, He died for you to bring you into His life that you would be a kingdom of priests so now you go into the earth and you would declare what He's done for you in whatever measure you can. In whatever measure and capacity of God you can operate in, you could go into homes, you could go into villages. See, this is the part we're missing. Even in the deep Word of Christ, is that we should be impacting Culpeper and Harrisonburg and where do you, what's it called where you live, Brother Benny? Leon Madison, Catlett, Manassas, Manassas Park. There should be such an impact because you're a priest of the Most High God in Fredericksburg. I left out, Brother Calvin. Not leaving you out. Spotsylvania, you're close enough, Fredericksburg. You're a priest. So you're not supposed to, to get all this revelation knowledge and sit on it and hide it under a bushel and talk among each other. You're supposed to go out and declare it in the street. Amen. You may not declare everything you know. And I don't mean that necessarily mean, I mean, if the Lord deals with you, just preach it on the street. Get up and preach it. But I, when I mean declare it on the street, I mean you're walking down the street, you see your friends, you're talking to somebody in Target, and you, you're, you're talking about the day. This could be an easy break in the, the day, and I'm stopping here. We're just going down through here for a minute. But we stop in the Target and we're talking about the day. And you say, this is the day the Lord has made. Yes, sir. You can say, you say and we can rejoice in We talk about the natural day. Because God wants us to rejoice in the natural day. We have bodies here in the earth, so we rejoice in the natural day, but then we talk, start talking about the light of the day, new day that's on inside of us. Because we're manifesting the day of the Lord that's come in us, the light of God that's come in us, into the natural day. Yes, sir. So he shared just a ink. Or we can say, you know, I'm a well. Yes. I'm a well. It made you well. So the whole, what, what is this significant? Brother James talked the other day about some of the countries of, of how much they need water and they need people to dig wells and how poor they are and how broke they are and how Christians need to put resources forth to give them water to drink. We, we take that for granted. We're going to turn that little spigot, right? Or most of us won't drink out of spigot anymore, including myself. We got filtered water, or we got bottled water, or we got jug of water, or whatever. We got our own water. In some countries, they'd like to have that little spigot with all the chlorine in it. But you're a well of living water. Amen. That that not only can you give them the 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 water, the natural water, darling, but you can begin to say, hey, you know, I'm a well. Oh yes. I can give you yeah. some water. I got some water in me. And His name's Jesus. I'm full of the water of life. Yeah, that's good. See, see, and I said I quit, but I'm going to say one last thing. I'm closing one more time, 49 minutes, so I'll be 55. I'm closing this. In Acts 8, you know, they had believed the Word and, and they called the apostles down for the Holy Ghost and fall upon them. Now, now look up that word fallen. I was looking it up. It means to seize. He hadn't seized them, taken control of them, immersed them in himself, and he said it could be violent. That word can mean violent. 
So He can violently come upon you. Power of the Holy Ghost. You know, you should be endued with power from on high. So, so sometimes in, in, in you know, my early days in the Lord, I, I've experienced that, where the Lord came upon me violently, powerfully, and, and you, you know, I'd feel the power of the Holy Ghost upon me. But that was on the inside. Okay? Come upon me. Come up. Maybe He come up out of you. <laughs> upon you. Maybe, maybe that's, He come up on you to empower you, to immerse you with the Spirit. And I thought somebody said something very powerful, maybe in Lynn. And he was talking about the baptism of the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues. A lot of the theme of the conference was about that, was dealing with speaking in tongues and baptism of the Holy Ghost. And in Acts 2, it says when the Holy Ghost fell upon them, that they all spake with new tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. But one of the keys there was they had to speak. So the Spirit come upon them, but then the utterance, the Spirit gave them the utterance, but they had to use their mouth. Right. I thought this was powerful. Now, 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 preacher didn't come to them and say, do this and speak these foreign, you know, this, that, and the other, because that language, when that language comes alive in you, it's real, and you'll know it. Amen. And it's beautiful, it's powerful, it, it blesses your soul, it blesses the inside of you, it'll bless you. If you're not speaking in tongues, I'm not talking all about tongues, but if you're not speaking in tongues, you want that because it's the prayer language of the Lord. That's, that's the language of the new kingdom. That's a heavenly language, and you're in it. You're a heavenly citizen. So in the United States, you speak the language of the United States, right? So as, as a heavenly citizen, what should I do? I should speak the language of, of the heavens. Paul said he would have you all speak with tongues. So he definitely wasn't against it. He just set forth the order of it. And he said, I have you all speak with tongues. But the key I want to give you is when the Spirit come upon them, they, you, you know, the utterance comes, they speak. So when the utterance comes to you, you speak. Yes. You have to yield your mouth to the Lord. <coughs> And I want to share that because it was a powerful way it was shared in the conference. I'm, I'm kind of copying some of it, but I felt that early on in the service to share that with you. And I love that Lynn said it because he said, I want to take the spookiness away. It's just the Lord. And this other brother just said, it's just the language of the kingdom. It's okay. It's the language of the kingdom because we have a heavenly language and we have a natural language. And that's what Paul said. I speak with the tongues of men and... Because I'm speaking in a heavenly tongue and I'm speaking in a natural tongue. And what that will do for you is it will create in you. You'll feel the most holy faith. You'll understand what he's talking about praying in the Holy Ghost. Because it gets real. And it's good when it's real. I loved how they said it. And, and Brother Lynn said, you want to work uh, 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 people getting filled with the Holy Ghost. And I'm, I'm turning this off. You can turn it off, Dave. I'm done. But he said, he said, 